Greetings, friends! Welcome back to another spooky episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their sex magic, their blood sugar sex magic. Uh, I am your host, Josh Gravy, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and guy who just likes puzzles. Anthony Kiedis, Alex Dandino, sorry. Oh my, that's where you're going, alright. I thought you were going to say wish.com, uh... Whatever that fucking other guy's name is. I don't know. It's James fine. Remar. No, who's the guy in this, but he looks... Oh, Wish.com David Borealis. That's what I said. They're Borea- both... Oh, David Borealis. They're Borea- both averagely forgettable white actors with gigantic fucking faces. Yeah, David Neither Borea- here nor there. They have the hair. It's the hair. <laughs> it is, right? It's the thing. And the dude. Neither here nor there. We're off the rails already. The dude. <laughs> you guys have entered the October Mega Marathon. Uh, we love the horror movies over here, horror movies over here. So we, every October, we put ourselves through a, our own little hell-raising gauntlet, right? 31 days, 31 new pods. These aren't micro pods. These aren't half pods. These are full horror movie pods. So Real as you guys know, this- throbbing pods. Beefy, throbbing pods ready to be hooked by all you listeners. Uh <laughs> Is it only four days and we're like talking like sailors have been lost at sea for two weeks? Oh, yeah. That's us. Neither here nor there. So every day this week, month, guys, you will get a horror movie. We are starting, of course, with the Hellraiser franchise. Today's film, Hellraiser Inferno. Uh, Before we do that, guys, if you want a movie every day this month, they're there. But you got to go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod and join our club over there. Come on down to the old hook dungeon. And get yourself some more content, right? Our listeners get a vote on their Patreon exclusives every month. And for this horror movie month, they picked Train to Busan and The People Under the Stairs. Two fucking exceptionally awesome movies I can't wait to talk about. A feature-length commentary on 13 Ghosts will also be on Patreon. So we have the movies for you every day. Is all you got to do, go over and support the show. For a small uh, donation, you can get in and get those episodes. Yeah. It means the world to us, guys. It's the best way to support us and what we do. We're working hard to make sure that that is worth your time and money over there. I think you'll like what we're working on. So, again, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. You can subscribe to the YouTube, uh, YouTube Film Alchemist. You can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all the socials you're on. That's a great way to help spread the word, especially this October. That means the world to us, guys. Uh, follow and share. Let's get all the fucking freaks in here into this little sex dungeon. Also, uh, something easy and free you guys can do. It takes but a second. Leave us a five-star rating and review anywhere and everywhere you find podcast. It helps us defeat the algorithmic Cinnabites. They'd be trying to smack our asses, but not I in the fucking don't, way. I don't want to defeat the Cinnabites. They're just travelers around the dimensions. I think you will disagree when you wake up post-coitus with your corn hooker. <laughs> corn it's like, hooker? This is the hooker who has corn hair. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite things about the band Corn with a K is that they all have branded hair, right? And this hooker has the corn hair, the sex worker, the sex sure. professional. It's 2000. Uh, it makes sense. <laughs> all right. Enough of that bullshit. You guys are here for the fleesh. And we're going to give it to you today. Hellraiser 5 inferno directed by scott derrickson who has gone on to a great career in horror movies um i actually like this movie so my story with hellraiser inferno right this is one i found because i i watched hellraiser one and two and three 
kind of drifted away from it. I didn't think there would be much past that. We did right. the classic. We went to the, the video store Friday night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck, there's Pinhead on the cover. Hellraiser Inferno. All right. I watched it, and I thought it was just a really interesting way to attack a Hellraiser movie, right? Right. What if you took, because we had done, you know, the deep mythology. Part three is kind of a less mythological thing, but it's still Pinhead versus human Pinhead battling it out, right? So there's still some mythology. Part four, we did space in old-timey fancy pants France, right? (laughs) Really, like, kind of closing the mythological chapter. Yeah, yeah. So Hellraiser Inferno made a choice. A choice that I think you could argue infected might be the right word every sequel that came after it until judgment right where this essentially starts the phase of what if we took a spec script that's okay and just fucking jam some cenobites in there no lube yeah just hammered them in and this gets to the part of the hellraiser franchise where if you take the cenobites out the movie's still 90 percent the same in in this movie i think it works pretty well right because at this point it's still novel we get a pretty interesting, uh, you know, crooked cop story, right? A man falling apart. And then at the end, you have Pinhead just kind of like, you dirty bastard. How fucking dare you? And you're like, that works. I don't know that the the damage it wrought on the franchise <laughs> is its fault. But I think you can see this is the turning point away from a more Cenobite-focused movie. Alex, opening thoughts on Hellraiser Inferno with Wish.com, David Boreanaz. <laughs> is David Craig Bore- Sheffer? It's David Boreanaz. And it's Craig is it Boreanaz? Yes. Well, maybe he's the Wish.com, David Boreanaz. This is essentially, I mean, this is a theme, so it's fine. I, I, I thought I, you were going to be proud of me for remembering an I actor's name. I sort of didn't want to correct you. I wanted to see how long it would take. And like eventually You're- like the pod would come out and you'd be like, did you know that wasn't that guy's name? Like, yes. I like um, the idea that David Boreanaz and Craig Scheffler are both watching, and they're like, fuck that guy out Craig, there. Craig Scheffler, for one. What did I say? Scheffler. Fair enough. You're All right, throw, giant face L's. actors, you're I'm sorry. L's. You're throwing L's in a lot of these. That's an L on me. I'll take you got a lot L. of L's in these. Um, I thought I did a good job remembering names, apparently. <laughs> I I think Hellraiser Inferno does raise an interesting question about, like, because this, this movie came, this was the first one of, this was the first one that was not at all. Like, the choice to me, it's interesting you said choice. Like, what's funny to me is, like, the choice is including Pinhead in a movie. Like, that's yeah. the fascinating thing about, like, the next, like, what, four or five? Is that all of them are like, hmm, maybe we amp this up with a little P-head, you know what I mean? And once you get to part nine, right, that right. is a film called Revelations. Yeah. Now we're trying to bring it back. It's kind of a cliff notes of what we liked about the first one with like a real low yeah. budget thing. Right. And then Judgment gets back to mythology. These next four, though. These are like Hellraiser. These are like Pinhead. Four, yeah. This is what we've been talking about. We're like Pinhead getting like someone like knocking on his door and he's got his robe and slippies just enjoying the cartoons. And he's like, oh, fine, I will take them to hell. God damn it. And like, he, I like, like the idea that Penhead's personal hell is just he's in like a way too small trailer, no air condition, no yeah. crafty. And he's like, oh, my God, again. He's God in spec script. It. He's in development hell, right? That's yeah, yeah. what Penhead is. That's exactly is. what it is. Penhead is in. <laughs> poor Penhead sitting in development hell. Like, cause, oh, like, my God. Because like, this is the other thing I didn't understand about this one is I'm like, why do we have like, half cenobites like it's like not fully formed cenobites like that whole thing 
I like the idea of Pinhead leaving his trailer. He looks over and essentially he's like, my Cenobites are just sexy Thanos as sorcerer. Like, that's what we're doing. <laughs> I do wonder if there's a contingent of Marvel fans that see this movie and they're like, oh my God, finally. There's like a and literal. They just have to lock the door and light yeah. a candle. You know what I mean? It's like two half sexy Thanos magicians and then a literal half Did you a want to plow Thanos as sorcerer? Absolutely. Have I got a movie for <laughs> right, you? Yeah. But <laughs> it's interesting because, like, I, I don't know. I. I think what I find fascinating about Inferno, because I don't think it's a bad, actually, I don't think it's a bad movie, to be honest with it's you. It's a fun ride. But it's I think what's interesting is it's a different, I mean, it's not a Hellraiser movie, like, at all. Right. So it, to lay the groundwork, right, this is the one of the first times where we get away from fully the, because you could say in part three, right, when they open the box, they're not seeking what's in the box, right? right. So that's kind of a shift. This is the first one where this guy just finds the box by happenstance. You could yeah. say that he's a deviant, right, which clearly he is. But this is not – Pinhead even says that in part two, right? It's not the box that calls us. It's desire. Right. And this one, they're like, no. Like, there's it's, no oh, desire. It's just Do you like think the box is actually tracking him because of his bad behavior? Well, is I, that, that kind of the well, theory? Well, that's the thing that I find fascinating about Inferno is – this is the first one that truly is about judgment. Like it's not like this has this like Jacob's ladder thing going on the mm -hmm. entire movie. But also like when Penhead comes in at the end, it's very much about like the judgment of this guy. Like we all know he's a fucking scumbag, like from the yeah. outset of the movie. There's nothing. Revealing oh, they, about they that. do a lot of work to make there sure there is a there is a dearth of layering they do of yeah. is that name do i use i always forget how to use the word dearth but either way there's a there's <laughs> a your hell there's a whole runway of that guy's a scumbag <laughs> uh, there's to, a pornocopia of reasons why yeah, this guy is no good. there is a there is a street light festival of problems this guy has um that get laid out in front of all of us but he's gonna keep using all these fucking it is, yeah like there's a veritable farmer's market of problems <laughs> That's an L.A. reference. Uh, no. Um, or you I, think you invented the fucking farmer's markets? That's all right. Well, you know, they're everywhere. Um, no. I, but the thing that I, I... I don't know how I like it. That's the thing. Like, I think it's a really interesting movie. I think the insertion of Pinhead, pun intended, is not... It doesn't work for me because it moralizes... It moralizes Pinhead in a way that I don't understand. That's my problem. I mean... Perhaps. I, I think the, the two questions, right, is if you took Pinhead out of this movie, how many people would ever have watched this movie? And would it have been a better movie? I would argue no. Right? I think this movie would have just straight disappeared. I think it would have been the same movie, to be honest with you. Like, it would have. I, I think it is using the aesthetic and the promise of Hellraiser. Sure. To kind of foist a not fully formed idea of right well it's right? sort of like use it's sort of like halloween three season of the witch you're using a yeah. name to get that people's one is butts in the seat own thing right they don't even sure. titillate no, no. us with but, some michael myers right but like at the same time this one literally does its own thing until the very end but it's the same right. same methodology which is like you're using a moniker to get a butt in the seat mm -hmm. and then you take them on their on its own ride not a bad yeah. ride like enjoyable like fascinating like yeah there like, is like would you like to see a twilight zone episode with a lot more fucking hooks right that's it and you're like yeah that's all fun right enough. cool yeah i'll take it why not 
but I, I, what I don't like, it is this weird thing. And like, I was fun. I was reading like Doug Bradley actually was kind of into it. Like he was like, he liked that. And I, I agree. Like the return of this sort of more, sort of more psychological turn for, uh, yeah. Hellraiser. However, my, again, my problem is my problem with the movie is just in the characterization of pinhead when he shows up feels very, feels very moralizing. Like I, that's the thing I don't understand is like, it's almost like, okay, so you're going to torture this guy. Makes sense. Like that's your game. I get it. That's like, but it has less to do with what we, I think that I the thing that I like the most about the Hellraiser thing is like, it is sort of this gray area of pain and pleasure and that kind of stuff. This one is, mostly just punishing someone and i'm not no, sure well, well, of the motivation not, for punishment yeah he's not the hell priest anymore in this one he's just the hell zookeeper yeah that's like a great that, way that's to his job it. now he yeah. he is just the devil yeah right he's, he's the guy the, cause, yeah because hellraiser operates on this kind of like lovecraftian religion right exactly this, yeah this weird leviathan whatever right this movie just says no he's just the devil yeah Right. That's yeah. I think that's what it is. It's a very Judeo-Christian move. Yeah. Of making Pinhead essentially like, you know, but you know, like the elephant, the elephant shit shoveler at the zoo yeah. of at the zoo of humanity. Like it's <laughs> how so many goddamn peanuts are you gonna eat today? No, it's <laughs> the the thing that I would say. Right is again. I I think this is a fun enough ride. Right. Like mm-hmm. you start off and he's at this crime scene. They find. This guy's slaughtered. All right. They find a little kid's finger in a candle. You're like, that's fucking cool. Up. Cool. Yeah. We Again, got some this has bucks. that kind of like low rent seven thing going. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You're like, okay, I'm I'm with you. Right. The journey is interesting enough. Right. We're chasing this guy, the engineer. Right. You're like, all right. All right. This is pretty interesting. It, it, it keeps your attention well enough. This, this movie does inject another thing that I think infects the, the next couple sequels is we are so fucking far removed from the idea of the flesh. Right. right. And to Doug Bradley's point, this is a purely psychological exercise right. from the moment he is in the bathroom post coitus and that box gets him right. He touches the box and drops it. Right. Every single thing we see after that moment does not happen. Right. So the idea of this kid losing fingers, right? The idea of him suffering, the idea of his parents suffering, of his partners, whoever the fuck, right? Ice cream diddler. Right. <laughs> All of this suffering that we are watching like a Hellraiser movie, like, oh, fuck, man, Pinhead's here to collect, right? Him and the engineer have formed some kind of weird, like, fucking Walter White Gus Fring thing, and they're, like, franchising suffering. You're like, hell yeah. Right, right. At the end of the movie, when it is revealed that this is all some kind of elaborate time loop, right? And mm-hmm. this is just what he has to do. It leaves a couple giant gaps, right, in your mind, which, one, you're like, there's no fucking flesh. Yeah, there's no fucking flesh. And and again, when we see that he's going to keep reliving this cycle. okay. so if I wake up in that shitter and I'm like, fuck, I got got. I woke up. I tried to kill myself. Right. I'm back here in the shitter. What's to stop me from just being like, hey, uh, a corn worker. I have another fucking hundred dollar bill in my fake brain wallet. Let's do some more sex Olympics. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then be like, Pinhead, I'm not fucking investigating. You gots to come find me. You're going to have to engineer a device to pull me out of this fucking hotel sex room that I have and make me go through this routine again. So it just, it's one of those, 
Well, I think the ending is clever enough, right? Is that you were the child whose fingers it were. Sure. Your your spirit is hurting your flesh, right? right. That's a very Hellraiser sentiment, that's, right? Yeah, that's that. a good one. I like that. The flesh that he's hurting is his child self, but not really because he's here. Yeah. And again, why not just keep, I'm just going to have sex with the hooker over and over again until you come kill me, right? My brain, my hell nut, is equally as valuable as my hell pain is detrimental, right? Right. It it kind of unravels a little at the end, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, again, this is like this is the moralizing stuff that's taking place is it doesn't really it it doesn't do the same it doesn't do the same thing as it would have if this was about a guy who was trying to trying to solve the puzzle box, trying to find this otherworldly thing like Again, it's like the one time, and granted, this guy's a total scumbag. But like I said, it's the it's the first instance of someone literally just accidentally opening things, like not realizing what they had done. So, it yeah, Hellraiser three dabbles a little because it's in the statue with him, right? But yeah. but it is just this sort of like happenstance thing of like, oh, lucky. <laughs> it's like one of well, lucky pinhead. He's got another soul to collect. That's kind of nice. This guy's a Not huge even collect, scumbag. Just to maintain, right? Exactly. Essentially, Pinhead is an aquarium. This is like owner. fattening the calf. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just sitting there and just like constantly coming back to the well. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it was a really again. Uh, while Doug Bradley was talking about like the psychological aspect, he also said that this was he he liked doing this one because it made Pinhead a more neutral character. As opposed to the villains, and I'm like, I completely disagree with that. Like altogether, like there, there is a point where you're like, he's no longer a judge at all. He's no. just walking through and being like, what a rube. So right. he is like a, he is more of a passive. But I like once the, that once the hell aquarium is set, right? I like just the, the fish. I liked the sort of like glass menagerie guy that he is in the first like four. Mm-hmm. Or wait, is this four, fifth? This is the fifth one. Jeez, we're doing so many of these. <laughs> um, a but yeah. shocking amount of Hellraiser sequels. But yeah, like made. I like for the first four, it is like this like glass menagerie, like guy walking through, like yeah, like an aquarium of like ah, oh, these are my delights. This is the first one that literally he's like, well, you're a dick, and I am going to just like feast on this awesome flesh for a while now. Okay, actually, but now also he doesn't even really do flesh stuff. No, not at all. Like they just like they get you, they get at the end like a little bit with the face pulling, but like maybe that's the thing happens. though, right? Sock psychological hooks dig deeper into the brain meat than it could hooks. be. But see that, but see here that that goes to. So, we've seen him like okay. So he's feasting like the sustenance, so to speak. The way that Pinhead subsists as he travels for ultimate pleasure. As he travels through the world, yeah. is he feasting on these souls? Does he want these souls? Yeah. Okay, so maybe this is how I'd Okay, so the neutrality. I'll retract. If, I, if I'm going to go with this um, train of thought, I'll retract what I thought about the Pinhead insertion. Really what this is is actually a movie about Pinhead discovering like a, like a, like a wellspring, like an, ever, an evergreen hellscape to give somebody to constantly feed on this like rotting soul this is like a this is like it's like um 
Yeah, it's like a, a, a bushel of berries, essentially. Like you're constantly Remember able to berries? come back. Yeah. No, like, yeah. Well, this, that, this that makes is kind of a weird loophole of the Hellraiser franchise, right? While he does drag you to hell, right? Or the labyrinth, as it were. Right. That insinuates that it is a, a torturing of the soul and the mind, right? Right. The problem is that in part one and two, we see so specifically, even part four a little bit, right? Right. Is that whatever is in hell can reform itself and escape and create new flesh. So it feels more like it's a, a physical torture in those first two, even though it is kind of a gray area, right? Right. It's a soul because it could leave a dead body, but then the body can re-consecrate itself. So it is, you know, it's not wildly different that this is a movie where Pinhead's just torturing him inside of this No, it's not outside diorama. the realm of possibility. I but... think, yeah, if you boil it down, you're like, it's not quite the same, but it's close enough, right? So again, I maybe I was incorrect in taking full swings that there's no flesh but again this is one of the other ones too where the the attacking of the flesh is everyone else's but the person that right. needs to get fleshed up right for sure because like why does the the snitch diddler have to get it why does his the kid he bullied in basketball have to get it right why this why the sex be, worker why maybe this is the part the of the like the fattening of the calf you know what i mean maybe this is like the this is like the feeding is yeah. putting him through all like that's the psychological torture is putting him through all these things that he's inflicted on other people and that's that's what like makes the that's what makes the flesh so much sweeter you know because i mean maybe because it's it's a really fun following a dirty cop movie right like when he busts yeah. in and he's like hey man i was with this girl last night i wouldn't do it and immediately he starts planning his partner shit in the room i was in love with that part of the story right like that watching this crooked cop try to like work it out knowing that he's just trying to clear his name is right. wonderful when we get to the end of the movie and i'm like am i supposed to think he's actually concerned that tony's getting whipped up no but perhaps it's just because he's like great that's another thing i gotta fucking come up with a an elaborate ruse for but it just i don't un, like this he never even goes to visit his parents right the lady's like i didn't know the thorns had a son right all right well that doesn't have as much emotional impact right well, I think because Frank being like, I got to fucking eat people's brains so I can come back. Perfect sense. Yes. This guy who's such a narcissist in the center of his own little fucking dark yeah. world. Do we really think he cares that his wife and kid are under threat? Well, I think partner, that's whoever? like the bigger that's like the bigger problems in the movie. I think throughout is the things that are emotionally assigned to like have any sort of impact only have impact if we actually have empathy for this guy. Like, that's, like, the crazier thing about this movie is, like, I yeah. do not, like, I do not care that this guy is going through, like, this weird sort of, like, Jacob's Ladder torture hell. Like, literally, you're just watching, you're yeah. like, you probably deserve this. Like, there's a lot of no, that going on yeah. in the movie. But there are, there are a lot of movies about bad guys, and it's and that's, again, because we know it's a Hellraiser movie. There's a lot of movies. It's a foregone conclusion that this guy's going to get got, right? There's a lot of movies about bad guys, but normally there is this level, there's a... There's a level of empathy written into the story so that like you have some form of the saves the cat thing, right? Give yeah, him one it's a, thing. It's exactly one like bit you of have humanity. The one yeah, you have the one like shred of humanity. You're like, "All right, yeah. cool." They do not give Joseph Thorne a lick of that in this movie. Well, he's a bad dad, he's a bad husband, he's a bad cop. He's just a dick. He's a he's bad just person. Not, 
he never has a moment where you're like, that's a guy I can like right. kind of so like root for. He's a bad per- Okay, so this would be my this case. This is the thesis I have for what Pinhead's pursuit of this guy is. And maybe this is the, maybe this is what makes this movie different. Maybe it makes what makes it a little special because it's Derrickson. So he is the first person in the franchise to just like happenstance open the box. Like, okay, cool. So now we're in this like wishmaster situation where you're like, all right, well, you know, whatever. This is just like some guy who showed up. Maybe when he opens the box and Pinhead is sitting in his robe and slippies trying to watch his stories. And the God box damn it, is, I'm on my union 15. The box <laughs> is open. Let's say the box is open and he like sees this soul. He's like, oh, that is a disgusting soul. Maybe yeah. this is what it is, is instead of it's being a moral, like instead of being like moralizing and something that Penhead is like actually judging him for, maybe what he's actually doing. And this goes with my like fattening of the calf theory. He's like, okay, this soul is rotten already. Why don't I just put him through all this psychological torture to give him all this empathy to make his soul all the sweeter. That's got to be how yeah. it works for me. There is a there is a theory in again being getting back to the twilight zone analog, right? This theory of why is this hell for this guy, right? Specifically. Right. No, right? totally. This piece of shit cop, right? He's pretty used to, you know, like if you watch The Shield, right? One of my favorite shows ever. Yeah. Every person in that team is a pretty despicable piece of shit almost all the time. Yes. And part of the fun of the game is you're like, I know they're bad guys, but you're always interested to see how they're going to get out of it, right? Right. That's kind of how this one operates, right? Is how is this guy going to solve this, right? He's this guy who has to solve the puzzle. The problem is the puzzle he's solving is like an image you don't want to see, right? Right. Like, this is pretty bad. (laughs) Um and so watching that journey is pretty fulfilling, right? Watching him run around. Mm-hmm. And there, there's almost this, I don't want to say Pottersville version of reality, where, like, <laughs> when he sees the tape, right, and he sees the, you know, the hor- the one thing in this movie, if I could rip one thing out of this movie, it's the cartoon black tongues. Rip yeah. them out, right? He sees the guy, like, lick the finger and put it in the cash box, right? When his uh, snitch is all fucked up in the car. Right, right. When he goes in there, he's just like, God damn it. And they're like, we can't find the finger. He's like, it's in the cash register. It's right there, right? And they're like, oh, it's on the tape that only you could fucking see. Right. In that moment, watching him be so frustrated and squirm, that is, they don't have necessarily a moment where we should empathize with him. What we're supposed to do is just watch him fucking sizzle, right? Right. The frog in the boiling water thing, right? And watching him be so frustrated, that's the part of the story I really enjoy, right? Uh, the the journey to like the poker saloon, yeah. where he just meets the weirdest fucking cowboy who has two Asian fucking sidekicks that karate his ass. Absolutely, that's just awesome though, right? Like it makes no fucking sense in the context of yeah. the movie, but you're sure. like, it's a weird enough image. You're like, I love that. That's in the movie, right? Right, right. I think all of the the first bit, right, where he's just a cop trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I do wonder what I'm supposed to get out of him walking back through. Like, they're trying to say something about his relationship with his mom and dad. I don't know what. Couldn't tell you what it is. It I is know like he fucking a, shoots them with a shotgun all when these, push comes to shotgun. All these sort of memories that he has, like, that he's experiencing through the movie. Again, it's just one of those things where it's like, I have no preface for this because 
Right. The preface we had in the beginning of the movie is this guy's a crooked cop. He's a dick. He like just yeah. constant drug use and hooker hooker looks like it's just so much. And then you're like, okay, so he has a family and all this stuff, but he dude, he comes doesn't... home from work and his wife's like ready. Yeah, in a bathroom, he's like, oh, I caught a case, and then goes find you know fucking dreadlocks on the corner. Right. His daughter's like, is daddy home? Not now, damn it. Dad's got it's, a hard on. It's very strange, but <laughs> yeah. Again, it's one of those things. It's fun where to watch him sizzle, though. It is like again. The, I think this is like a really unique movie in that it's fun to watch, but it like it does lack this like it does lack this Hellraiser quality that I think I like about the first four, maybe. And you know, this is another thing too. This this is just a two thousand. This is just a two thousands critique, and this you know this happens when things are direct to DVD and that kind of thing. But I I do think like practical effects are so like when james remar dissolves into pinhead i i i absolutely hate like that i hate that like that bad, one that bad cgi that one didn't bother me the one that killed me was at the end when the kids in the chair and they do the in oh, the chair yeah. like spins away i was like that could have been well better. it's it's James Remar Honestly, dissolving into Pinhead. Let's talk about James Remar though. That was a really cool addition. To I the thought movie. it was cool. I liked that. Why is Pinhead taking a fucking guys? I don't know. Why is it a priest? Like, there's all these other questions. Like, is he just a therapist priest? Yeah. Is he walk? He oh, was okay. really good in this. But movie, this though. goes back to my like fattening up theory. Like, maybe he's like, oh, this is how I'm gonna do this. Like, I will like get. I'm gonna get inside this dude's brain so that I can actually like make the soul that much better. So you're like, yeah, that makes more sense. But I, yeah, like it's just like it's that direct to DVD visual effects stuff. Like when his like yeah. um, when his wife and child are like spinning, like they're frozen and they're just like dissolving. I mean, you're telling me there's nothing practical you could have done here instead. That scene was fucking awesome. Though. Fucking great. Like when fucking he comes great. home and it's just the spinner and the, the fucking snow in the living room. Yeah. I thought one, it was great, but two, the fact that he just comes in and he's like, "This is a real thing." Yeah, this is really happening. Like he just is on his knees in snow in his living room. James Remar pops up and he's like, "Bummer! If only you were here to put a coat on him." And it's right. like, wait, what? And he's just accepting it as truth. But when he grabs the hand and the fucking kid's arm snaps off, oh my god! And then they wake up, "Daddy, Daddy, what are you?" And they all fucking start crumbling. That was a great fucking scene, man. Um, I guess to your point, though, right? So this does operate a lot like a Christmas Carol, right? Like Marley and Marley coming back, like we're gonna walk you through what you've done. Except at the end, he doesn't get to buy a turkey for Tiny Tim. He is the fucking turkey. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind yeah. of the gamut of this. All right, this I, I like that. That's a good yeah. one. So he is the turkey that they're gonna. I like how this stuff. is just a this is just like a metaphor fest of what this movie actually. We're doing is a lot of do. analogies and metaphors. A lot of yeah. analogies and metaphors to get across our points here for this, but I like that. You know, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I I mean that's what I mean. Inferno is an interesting one for me because it's the one that I was so excited to see another Hellraiser movie. Right, and I really really liked it. I think this exercise that we're doing right watching all of them in a row and kind of talking through them as they evolve i think the unfortunate problem with inferno is that they they did what they had to do right we don't have a grandiose budget we can't fucking right. make leviathan and this and that right um how do we get the most out of this right yeah. so they do this great the one thing that i still think is one of the weirdest things in the movie is when he's like i'm denver pd 
And I was like, Denver? It is a strange choice. And like, I, why like, not just say LA? Never justified. I have no idea why it's a guy from Denver. Like, yeah, like it looks an awful lot like Literally could LA. have been yeah. anywhere. Like, but it is yeah. like, but it's is a two million dollar budget, and that's a stretch. I mean, dude, that's stretching a dollar. Like, you have a they great got a location. lot out of this movie. You get a lot out of it. It's really good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm saying, right? So, as we're going through this, it's just this fun ride. And we know Pinhead is the the inevitable destination. So right. I think this movie made a calculated choice that was a really smart one, right? Right. We can do this kind of half-ass seven movie, right? And it's going to be fun. Yeah. Kids' fingers. We know this guy is somehow going to get God at the end. It's a fun exercise of, you know, it's the Damocles sword, right? It's just hanging over my head. Right. I know it's going to fall when. I, th- I think the problem is is that now Inferno for me is catching shrapnel for the other movies I've had to watch where it's all false realities and dream states and right, right. you know Pinhead just is here because right and that's not Inferno's fault right Inferno made a perfectly legitimate decision as the fifth fucking movie in the Hellraiser franchise there was probably no fucking clear roadmap in anyone's head it's like yeah we'll get five or six more of these motherfuckers right right so you just you do what you got to do to get that movie out into the people and i i would imagine most people have inferno in their top half of the hellraiser movies right i would hope so because again it is like it is a unique entry into the series like it does not play by any rules other than its own and i think that's a yeah that's worthy it's a worthy addition really well acted right craig sheffer is sheffer 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 good job craig sheffer is really good in this movie yeah he he's really engaging and even though yeah you're just like god i want to spit on that guy right for a guy fun to watch for a guy who is truly and honestly like a classic tv character actor he carries the movie. He doesn't very nice job. Oh, my God, for sure. He runs with this motherfucker. It's really good, man. I like it a lot. It's just, yeah, I think once we get to the kind of ending, I wish they would have kept the ending more in line with the the detective story we had been watching, right? Because once we get into, like, because I still don't understand. So he went back to his house. That's when he was happy. But because he's now a philanderer, is an older guy. That's chopping his childhood fingers off. and Yeah. Oh, right. Like, once like, he gets a little metaphysical, he's... Ru- but, like, you know, he's running around and he's fighting. Bad. Like, like The but, hooker jumps out at him and it's like, ah, oh, her neck, when he yeah. pushes her neck. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, Right? When Tony's, like, the knives in his back, he's betrayed him, like, five times in the movie. Right. And he's fucking whipping the knives at him. That's fucking cool. It's cool. It's, it's just cool, man. Right? Like, great- even his parents, like, getting old and then he has to shoot his parents. Oh, dude. Weird. Yeah. Weird, but a good scene. Again, there's a lot of really cool visuals and a lot of really cool moments, and it's just like, it's fun, and it's that kind of movie, and like, and then there's Pinhead, and you get yeah. a little, you get a little Hellraiser action, and then you move on. It's, yeah, I don't know. Very fascinating film. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? I take away from this, it's kind of fun, it's kind of gritty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get the fucking martial arts cowboys. That was great. It's so fine. Weird. And honestly, even at the end, right, when Pinhead does come in, you're like, now he's earning his money, right? The combination between the therapist and Pinhead carry enough of that scene where I'm still digging it, right? Right. Um, I can't remember what Pinhead fucking says at the end, right? Like, he says right at the end. He says, welcome to hell. 
No, but he says, don't you recognize your own flesh? Oh, yeah. Right? And I love that line he says, right? So he has his classic. That's what Penhead's for is to say these like, you fucking idiot humans. And he says that the eternal refrain of humanity, begging for mercy, pleading ignorance. This is the hell you've created for yourself. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, that is awesome, right? I, I like the Again, idea this, of like, us being like, what? Why are bad things happening to me? I'm such right. a good person. And, and it you're does, like, like it does on. do a good job of, like, sort of, a, again, when I think about it the way I want to think about it, that, like, in the way that he's waiting for the soul to get sweeter, it does absolve him of that judgment. Like, that judgment yeah. that I think, like, is sort of, like, in that Judeo-Christian vein, because I never think of Hell, Hellraiser in that way. Well, that's so, what made it so wonderful. It was so outside of that. Right, exactly. So, like, I think, like, I've now watched, like, I've watched this twice this month. So, like, it's one of those <laughs> things where, like, like, I remember the first time watching, like, that's a weird thing. Like, it's weird that Pinhead's, like, sitting there in judgment. And this time watching it, I was able to kind of reconstruct it and be like, oh, this is really more like Pinhead is just, like, literally laying out the facts of the case. It's like a Perry Mason episode. Yeah. Just with more whips and chains. Andy Griffith here. <laughs> Things went bad for old Andy after his Things went bad over. for old Andy. But now. You didn't see all the crooked shit I was up to. All the his whipped chicanery. and chained. Yeah. No. And, and that's the thing, right? Is that This is kind of the point where Clyde Barker created this wonderful universe out of his unique life experience, right? Right. It felt. And that's the thing. If you read his books, man, they're so fucking visceral right it's almost like you can fucking feel fluids as you're turning the page right it's right. that's just how it was this feels like someone who's like i also know weird sex stuff right and it's like they're using it as window like the scene when he goes to the tattoo shop right mm-hmm. you're like this just feels so fucking forced right like someone doing like a, a high school play version of what this sexual underground would look like <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like, you know, again, that's not anyone's fault, man. Clyde Barker is one of the masters of horror because of that lens. Right. And it's inevitable. The further you get away from that, you're going to start getting these kind of things like, yeah, let's just have two kind of attractive Cenobites like right. doing whatever. Are they related? Is I guess that's taboo. Like, what's Again, happening? I have no idea what they're there for, but. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing, though. Right. So we're at this fulcrum of the series. And a choice was just made. I can get a pretty good, gritty, crooked cop Twilight Zone episode done. Right. And Pinhead will fucking seal the deal. And I think on every fucking gamut of this film, I think they they won. There's not anything in this film, right? Again, the spinning chair and some of the effects, not great. The black tongues, not great. The Cenobites are the weakest probably in the entire franchise. Sure. But... I think across the board, this movie succeeds in everything it tried and everything it needed to, to make a really fucking yeah. fun sequel. Right? I don't. I don't disagree. Yeah, it, it's it's worth a watch. It's worth a watch, and I can't say to that. Me, for I a have lot this as sequels. number five in my Hellraiser rankings. Ironically, the weird one that everyone is going to be like, "What the fuck, Griffey?" Hellraiser Judgment number ten is now my number four. Wow. Um, because of the mythological implication. I think it is one of those things, right? Hellraiser is the one franchise where I kind of like the mythology. It matters to me more than a lot of other horror franchises. But this one, this one in Judgment would like switch for what's my top half and what's in the bottom half for me. These are kind of the gatekeepers, fun sequels, right? And then we kind of dip down into some others. As we talk about Hellseeker tomorrow, 
Again, I think Hellseeker is a really interesting companion piece to this one too because it tries to do – Hellseeker is trying to do Inferno. Mm -hmm. And you really see the difference between having someone at the helm like Scott Derrickson yeah, who really gets the absolute most out of this theory mm -hmm. versus Hellseeker, which to me kind of embodies all of the worst elements of the Hell Hellraiser franchise. <laughs> right, it's an interesting right. movie to study because you're like, this was where it started to really get off the rails for people. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I think Inferno is a really worthy and fun Hellraiser. It's even hard to even kind of call it a Hellraiser movie. It's just kind of its fun little. Yeah, I mean, it's thing. its own little pocket universe almost. Yeah. That's it for Hellraiser Inferno. That's not it for the Hellraiser. We've got a bunch more culminating in uh, the new Hellraiser 2022. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you guys have seen the trailers, the pictures. I'm sure you guys are fucking excited as we are, man. Let's see. Can can Hellraiser 2022 top Inferno? Can it top Judgment? God forbid, are we talking about this being a top two best Hell? Could this be the best Hellraiser movie ever? I find that a, a mountain too far, but... very difficult to believe. But If it is, that is going to be awesome. one of the greatest gifts of my entire life. So I am fucking ecstatic. We will then move on to Wishmaster. Uh, we got some other fun stuff coming up for you a lot of amazing guests uh for you on the end of this month so guys i hope you are having as much fun as we are every october 31 days 31 pods if you want all 31 you have to go to patreon.com slash film alchemist pod and join our dark cenobite club we got down there it's fun <laughs> we do have it's fun. a pocket universe of our own plessiers right analogies and misusing dearth and all kinds of good shit going on over there <laughs> that's a callback baby that's a comedy hook right now. <laughs> That's a wrap. So yeah, Patreon.com slash film alchemist pod. Join the fun. Get your horror movie every day this month. Celebrate the greatest month of the year with us. We will be back tomorrow. Oh yeah. YouTube film alchemist email, uh, film alchemist pod at gmail.com. Leave those fucking ratings and reviews. Find us on social media. Share it with all your fucking friends. Tell your friends about us, or maybe we'll put your fingers in a candle. That was aggressive. Yeah, I would. But we might. We fucking might. That's a puzzle for you to solve, friendos. If you're going to bug Penhead with his robe and slippies on, that's your business. 